helicopters have been procured for me to go to golf course. Thank you. I'm never saying he wasn't a great politician. I'm just saying he's a <laughs> How'd you play out there today? Uh, well, I found the conditions challenging. Mostly because there's no grass on the golf course. But there never has been. I'm thinking about the swag bag. I have high hopes for the swag bag. Swag bag. Tra crevices on the green. Your course is trash. What's happening, folks? Welcome back, Beltway Golfer, episode nine. Alex Dixon here. This week, got an awesome guest, John Scott Rattan, teaching professional at a Congressional Country Club and currently the Mid-Atlantic PGA Teacher of the Year. I got connected with him just a few weeks ago after I asked some folks on Instagram uh, who would be a, um, a good fit uh, or some recommendations for, for guests on this show, and several people said John Scott, so I reached out, and he was... Um, incredibly responsive and willing and when it came time to actually do the taping was super accommodating since um, congressional is under renovation we couldn't film it there we were gonna do it at a different course and then a storm rolled in so kind of at the 11th hour we switched to doing it remotely over zoom so this is the first episode of Beltway Golfer that is done over zoom and I think it went well if you're watching it on YouTube you'll notice that my lighting was terrible but we got through that and John Scott kept a straight face so I appreciate him for doing that and the audio was good and the, and the conversation was great so um, John Scott has got a ton of unique uh, insights and perspectives being a, a stud golfer as a youth and in college and and made a run as a professional golfer as well became a coach um, is now obviously a teacher, has some fun stories about being a caddy uh, um, and even in, in some, some pretty, pretty big tournaments. Um, and, and his view on this area is that it's, it's very underrated or underappreciated on a national level as far as the amount of golf talent um, that comes from this region. So he goes out of his way to, to name some of those folks, some that he's worked with, um, some maybe that is not, uh, but just to, to kind of highlight and make sure that folks know those names um, and, and are following them and, and tracking their careers, um, which is super interesting. And um, I agree with him, even though the, the reason I started this podcast was maybe not less so about the golf talent coming out of this area, but just all the, the, the super interesting people and personalities that are connected to the game, uh, specifically a, around DC. Um, so it, it, was, um, it was really fun to, to chat with him and to learn his story. Um, we sat down for almost an hour, um, and I hope everybody uh, enjoys as much as I did. Here it is. Uh, John Scott Rattan, Congressional Country Club. Enjoy. All right. We're here in uh, this time in my garage. First Beltway, Go Beltway Golfer episode on Zoom. And uh, joined with me is John Scott Rattan. How are you? Good. How are you doing? Thanks for having me. Awesome to be here. Uh, thanks for having me on your show. Yeah, um, let me start off by thanking you for being incredibly flexible. John Scott and I, we were, you know, he's, let me start off by saying he, he's currently a teaching professional at Congressional Country Club. You got it, yep. Uh, which yep. is, which is uh, well known, is, is under renovation right now. Yep. And as folks who have listened to this podcast know, I've been doing most of them on site in person. And so we were looking for a spot to do this. And Correct me if I'm wrong. You're you're doing some of your teaching now at Bethesda Country Club. At Bethesda Country Club, yeah, Bethesda. You got it. They're nice enough to help us out while we're while we're doing this and with all the COVID stuff. So, yeah. 
and and falls finding, road finding a spot was tough falls road sometimes mainly at bethesda though yeah well we were going to do it in person today and then the remnants of a hurricane were coming through so yeah we've adjusted yeah. we're doing it on zoom but but i appreciate you being so flexible and no and it's awesome we're so ready for a good conversation yep awesome let's kind of start um on your kind of re resume as as a golfer as a teaching professional the whole nine yards um, yeah i mean well I'm a Beltway kid. I grew up in Montgomery County. I went to uh, Montgomery. I went to Montgomery Village Middle School, Watkinsville High School. You know, my dad was a teacher in the county for 42 years. He taught history at Watkins Mill for I think almost 19 or 20 years. So, grew up in the county. Went to Watkins Mill. Um, I went to college. My first year of college, I went to James Madison, and right through the middle of that, they had some Title IX issues. So I ended up transferring to Tennessee. Probably one of the few men that uh, you know they can think Title IX helped me out because it. Gave me a huge opportunity to go to University of Tennessee um, and play golf there. Go ahead. I, I, I want to I want to stop you there for one second, only because. Yep, go ahead. I want to I, I want to stop you there for one second, only because yep. pretty impressive. <laughs> for for anyone that that's grown up in this area and played any sports, um, your, your your goal is or like the ultimate goal for any high school athlete is all met. And when you were at Watkins Mill, you won all met Player of the Year in golf. Yeah, it was, I was lucky. We had a, we had a lot of good, like Montgomery County golf's got some strong talent with it, and Maryland golf, for that matter. The DMV has some really good golfers come through it. I think in our class we had shoot, we probably had you know eight or ten people play Division One golf right out of the class of two thousand. You know, you had Ryan Sendel went to Illinois, Kevin O'Connell went to Virginia, Jamie Farah Georgetown. You know, I went to play college golf. I'm sure there's others in there that I'm, I'm missing it off the top of my head, but. We had a lot of good golfers come through that. And, uh, you know, like it's, it was a really cool experience for me um, going, going through that. Uh, All Met Player of the Year. Um, yeah, <laughs> I was excited. I won the state championship my, uh, my, my senior year, Maryland State Championship, in like a four or five hole playoff. So it was a little dramatic for me, you know, um, to win that at University of Maryland. Uh, so that probably got me over the hump. To, to win the award because it was kind of in a little bit of a dramatic playoff but uh yeah I, it was that was a cool experience so being you know an all-met player of the year in golf and um you know maryland dc area not uh, as well known for golf um maybe youth stud golfers quite yeah. as much as some of the places down south you, you mentioned you started out at jmu were you heavily recruited yeah, I mean, I was recruited by local, a lot of local schools. You know, uh, Virginia Tech recruited me, Maryland recruited me, uh, JMU. Um, JMU, like back then, college golf was really different. Like they had, like you went to regionals through districts back then. This was ninety ninety eight. I was getting recruited ninety eight ninety nine, and uh, the whole time I'd wanted to go to the University of Maryland. My whole my whole family went there. My dad went there. That was like my school. You know, the basketball team was awesome. I was a huge fan, and um, and it just didn't work out and. You know, I, get, I started to get recruited. I started to play a lot better, like the summer of my senior year. Summer of my senior year, I started to play better in some of the AJGA tournaments and some of the, the bigger national tournaments. I started to get noticed a little bit, and I was recruited by uh, by Tennessee after that. And some other schools down south that, you know, had some interest in me. But I had already committed to JMU, and it was great. Like we had a really good team again coming in there. Jay Woodson, uh, you know, Jay was he won the Virginia State Open four times, State Am five times. Like he's an amazing golfer. Not many people have have done what he's done in Virginia State golf. He was on the team. He was in the same class as me, Tom Strange, Charles Hong, Mike Gooden. He's the pro at Kinlock now. And we had a good team. So college golf back then, the districts, you, you got to regionals through districts. 
and JMU was one of the best teams, probably the top two team in that district. Um, so like I was going to play, I was doing that, but we were going to play in NCAAs all the time through that. And, you know, that was my like deciding factor. So what, what you said, uh, title nine came along and that kind of, um, uh, caused your transfer to Tennessee. How, how did that, yeah. why, what happened? Why did that? So like we got, honestly, it was really bizarre. Like, as I remember it now, like we got an email back then email was just started making me sound old here, but email was just new then it was 19, it was like 2000. You got an email of, you know, the JMU didn't comply with, you know, title uh, one of the, there's three ways you can comply with title nine. One, they didn't comply one way with uh, title nine. Cause they had so many division one sports. They had probably like 32 sports and it didn't, um, the, the amount of male to female ratio was off. So they had to cut teams. So we got a notice and email saying that as of next year, golf's not going to be funded um, unless they raise the amount of money. So at that, when that happened, all the student athletes were allowed to transfer from their scholarship. They were allowed to move on without sitting out a year. So I explored my opportunities. I had offers again from Maryland and Virginia Tech and Tennessee. And I went to Tennessee and I jumped on it. And it was probably one of the hardest things I've gone through because I have so many close friends at JMU. And it was a great experience. But uh, going to Tennessee was probably the best thing that's ever happened to me from a golf perspective. I got to be around a whole different uh, type of type of program. Like that was big time college athletics there. And it, it was probably one of the better things that's, that I was able to do. I, I'm I'm a huge Tennessee fan. I got a Tennessee football in the back. You know, I'm like, yeah. that's I'm very proud of that. I'm very proud of. I made the All SEC team there one year. The second team SEC team there. You know, me and Kevin Kisner were on the same team. Like our careers went a little different <laughs> from there. But you know, like I'm proud of. Like that was a big deal for me. And um, like I'm I'm proud of being a an alumni at UT. Absolutely. So you made All SEC there. What was was Kiz? Was he? Um, I imagine he was a stud then. He was good. Like he, uh, we played for whatever reason. We played with Georgia a lot. Like our NCAs, my senior year was at Caves Valley. So um, Tennessee, we had we had really good players too. But hanging with Georgia for four days was a different animal. Uh, you know, like we can hang with them. I think we were probably, I don't know. I, it's been so long now. We were probably in the top five after the first day. I remember I shot seventy two because that was my low round of the week there. But you know. Uh, we could hang with them for one or two days, but not for four days. You know, they had on that team. I'm pretty sure Brendan Todd was on the team. Kevin Kisner was on the team. I'm pretty sure, uh, gosh, I, I want to say Harris English was on that team, but he might be a little bit younger than that. But they had five feet. Five, David Denham was on that team. He had all All-Americans. They were, they were really good. Um, but, yeah, Kevin was really good. I think he won SECs one year. Um, but he was, Kevin was just always a really good putter, hit it, hit it really well, just tough as nails, just really, really tough. So then, so you finish at UT and, and you um, make a run at, at, at doing it professionally, right? Yeah, yeah. I played, uh, played professionally for four years. I made it through the first stage of Q school two times. And again, like back then, Q school was really different. Like you get to go through Q school and get on the PGA Tour back then. Like that's what you spent your whole year of, all right, I'm going to play mini tour golf. There was no, I mean, they had the can Canadian Tour, but that wouldn't get you. And you could win every event on the Canadian Tour and it wouldn't get you any status. Now you finish in the top 10 and you get certain starts and you get into finals and it's much more streamlined. It's a much better system now. But back then it was kind of like you, you just wanted to go through Q school. You could, you know, work all year, go to Q school and get through and you're good. Um, so yeah, I, I, I played four years, did, it was back then it was called the Hooters tour. I did that and the e-golf tour. Um, now it's called swing thought and G pro maybe it's the same, same, same type of premise, but yeah, I did that. Um, exposed some, some really cool. It was a great learning experience for me. I mean, I, I played some, some, had some good rounds. 
Um, I think I finished second or third a bunch of times, um, but I never, never won out there, but yeah, I played one, one nationwide event, the Knoxville open in my hometown, the university at uh, Fox Den country club and gagged it coming down the stretch in 2008. So I felt like at this point I need to figure out something else to do, but I got to live my dream a little bit. You know, you look at it like in field of dreams, I got to throw, you know, my dream was to play at that level and I got to get on the field against at a PGA tour sanctioned event and, and like, kind of see what I had and it was it was something I looked very fondly on it was a great learning experience for me that's great so you get a good four years um you know working to become a professional golfer as a professional golfer um then what so you're you you, you've got to make a switch yeah it's 2009 and and you know like I wanted to I wanted to be around the game I want like I, I still wanted to be really close to the game and I loved the teaching part I loved the teaching and coaching and part of what I loved about the game was the practicing part and the preparing part for tournaments. And like, I loved being around that. I loved, you know, my teachers at the time, I loved being around. They, they influenced me a lot. They, they were my mentors. They were um, people that I looked up to and people that I like hung out with. And I was always around that type of it and, or that, that side of it. So I went to work for uh, my teacher growing up, Bob Dolan. I went to work for him at Columbia country club with the goal of being, I wanted to be a full-time teacher. That was 2009, 2010. That Mike, that was my goal. So um, I worked, worked there, and what I did is I helped ton, did a ton of junior golf programming with them. I did a ton of, um, I did a ton of teaching. I got to like kind of clean, cut my own teeth a little bit, get to make some mistakes with some lessons and learn and be around it. And I just loved being around the game so much. So I, I loved the competition part, and I wasn't playing. And so the best way through that was college coaching. So I ended up going to coach, uh, you know, coaching. Florida for a little bit at a junior academy and ended up teaching at Mar- uh, coaching golf at the University of Maryland at 2012. So oh, wow. those three years I spent tons of time. I worked for Sean Foley's Academy at Core Golf Academy in Florida, I worked for Gary Gilchrist Academy um, in, in Florida. So I was around junior golf. I was around the competition. I was around preparing people to juniors and adolescents and um, high school players to, to play on that college track. That was something that would meant a lot to me in my life. And I wanted to provide that same experience or that same type of mentorship to that kid. So I, I kind of had a winding route there, but I think when you're, when you're trying to, you're trying to go that way as a teacher, you, you have to work for someone that has done what you want to do. Like to, in the business, like you've got to work for someone that can guide you along the right ways. And it was, it was really cool to, to work at core golf Academy and see the guys coming through and Gary Gilchrist Academy and, you know, like at Gary Gilchrist, I was just talking to a student this the other day, Maya Schechter. You know Maya? She's I don't. from uh, College Park. She okay. played at UNC. She's on the LPGA Tour now. And I coached wow. her at uh, Gary Gilchrist Academy when she was 14. Oh, wow. So it's like the DMV golf. It does, it's a little underrated yeah. in terms of the, the national exposure to it, but it was like there's some good golf that comes around here. So I was around that, and I ended up getting back to coach at uh, Maryland. So that was a very fond experience for me. Uh, I, bet, yeah, I, 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 I imagine one of the recurring themes here as we, as we progress along your career is, I mean, at this point, now you're, now you're at University of Maryland, um, you, you've already been exposed to, I, I imagine all kinds of different, certainly different instructors, different teachers, different coaches, yeah. different methodologies, different approaches yeah. to the game, you know, uh, seeing, you know, you're just talking about going to youth academies. Um, so that's interesting. So now, so now you're at University of Maryland. Who was the, who yep. was the head coach when you were there? So they had, they had just changed the, the whole, um, it's a long story for an easy question. Um, Jason Rodenhaver was the director of golf. 
and I worked on the men's side and a, a girl named Tiffany Pratt's worked on the women's side. So he was the, the head coach of both programs. They kind of had this, uh, and then I just did the men and then another person did the women. So it was like a hybrid model. They don't have that anymore, but they kind of did, did both. So Got Jason wrote over. Yeah. Jason recruited me when I was coming up as a junior golfer, Jason's dad used to be the coach at Maryland. Awesome guy at university of Maryland. Yeah. Um, I, I would imagine that, um, you know, some of the players w w would be impressed when you could say, I, you know, I won the high school state championship on this. Yeah, not that that you on. know, like they were all so good. Like, you know, they, you know, not, not so much. Like we had a really young team at that point. We had, I think we had six freshmen come in my first year there. So it was, a, there was a lot. Yeah. It was a young team. Um, we were a little green between the years. And so, but yeah, I, I did that for a year. And then I went to work at, go to university of Virginia for another year and a half to coach uh, the head coach. There was my coach in college. So I went to work for him and then, you know, you're in college golf, you're, you're spending, gosh, you're probably spending 60% of your time doing things not related to the game. You're recruiting, you're, uh, you're traveling, you're doing administrative stuff, you're scheduling uniforms and stuff like that not like my passion is being around development being around the game being like in the mix you know uh you know being at the tournament and like prepping like that's my passion and you know college golf you're only doing that eight weeks a year and I wanted something I can do 52 weeks a year I'm always doing it so I moved up here to uh back home and um Pat Benningfield and Ted Pogorels they were awesome enough to offer me a teaching job at Bethesda and I started there in 2013. 2013. Um, before we get into that, that is something that you don't normally think about. When you're working with a college golf program, I mean, obviously mm -hmm. Maryland and UVA are two, two big programs. Um, you know, are you, uh, are you really involved year-round, or is it, is it more just the golf season? Well, the NCAA limits certain things you can do because they're going to limit hours. Like, in the, like college golf is a fall and spring sport, so they're going to limit some of the – during the – I'm trying to think how to answer this the best way. During the the season, you're allowed 20 hours a week, but you're obviously spending you're obviously going way over the 20 hours because they're deeming a round of golf as they used to deem a round of golf as three hours. Like it takes six hours. Like you, <laughs> you know, like it takes a while. And you're we, we wish up, it was always three hours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, you're involved in it depending on the coach. Like I know, like certain coaches, you know, uh, are pretty involved in the swing stuff and in like prepping from a from a development standpoint. Certain coaches. You know, they want to let the players play and they're managers of it. Like Bruce Hepler at Georgia Tech is an amazing at help, helping manage uh, the programs and kids. And everyone that leaves Georgia Tech, I mean, those guys know how to run their business as a golfer. So he does a great job with that. And then you got guys like Nick Kleiner's awesome coach at Auburn, and he does a lot of swing and technical work. And he still teaches a lot of his guys that play on tour. So you kind of see both of, of what's happening. Yeah. Um, so then, so you make the switch to being a teacher professional and you start out mm -hmm. at Bethesda Country Club, you said 2013, yep. Yep. how long, how long did you spend there? I was four years, four, four years or yeah, four years. Yeah. Um, what, what is that transition like? I mean, totally different kind of now you're, now you're going out and trying to get your own. Thanks to Harson. Yeah. So like, I, like again, Bethesda is a great club and it's a very active club in terms of how, like their membership. Like they want, there's a lot of people there that really practice and they work work at it and I was put in a really good position by Ted and Pat that they kind of let me do my thing and they said you know like they trusted me that I was going to wake up and come in and work hard and grow the game and and you know share my passion with with their students and you know lucky for me they had some good junior golfers that that were there that you know were going to work hard um you know uh, Andrew Barth won the the won the mid-Atlantic junior and then you had uh Nate Tempest 
won some tournaments and he ended up playing Davidson and then a, a kid that I teach still to this day, Evan Katz, he's second team All-American at Duke. I started teaching Evan when he was 13, 12 or 13 years old at Bethesda Country Club. Our first lesson was there in 2013 and I still, I saw him yesterday. And so it's kind of, kind of cool to see it come full circle, but like you, I was able to like, they put me in a really good position and I was able to, uh, learn a lot from Pat, learn a lot from Ted, and learn a lot from the membership. And they were nice enough to like trust me to to go there and work hard. Wow, um, I, I imagine you, you've got a few success stories like that uh, of folks that you've coached that have gone on to big things. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm just lucky to be around people that want to get better. Like I'm really good. If you come in and 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 you're in a lesson and you you have a lot of I call it ignition and and you show that level of motivation of like I want to play in college or I'm all in like, I mean, like that gets, that's what gets me up or you want to play pro golf or like, you know, I'm all in on that. If you you come in and you're not going to do the work and I'm going to, you you know, I'm going to smell that really quick and it's not going to be as, as easy as a road, but um, I'm really lucky to work with a lot of people that show that level of ignition and I'm passionate about what I do. And um, I think I get that from my dad. My dad, when he was a teacher was, the loudest he was really loud and energetic and he he came across like he made it really interesting for some, whatever reason I, I i do that in a lesson and i get excited when the player does well and i go to their tournaments and i'm involved in like a relationship and, sure. and it's a, a very positive experience for me like there's so many tournaments now and it's yeah. so much of it's happening too soon in my opinion like i'm definitely not on the early specialization train like i'm on the general like you got to have a, a lot of broad experience of yeah things to do and to learn from and you'll be a very complete person first and then a golfer third fourth or fifth down the list so like um i try to really enforce that to reinforce that to the parents because there's a lot of pressure especially with the way the college stuff's going there's a lot of pressure on parents like you, you, number one they want to have their student play a sport in high school so they can put something on um, they want to they so they helps them to get into college right they're, they're having to have all these extracurricular activities and I think there's a lot of pressure on these kids to start really soon and specialize. And, and I'm much more on the, like, take your time, like become like a complete uh, person first, know who you are as a person. And, you know, if you're really good, learn to win at that level, learn to win at that level. Jordan Spieth, uh, you know, did a great, unbelievable job at that. And like Tiger Woods, unbelievable job at that as his family did. So it's like, I don't know if there's a specific age, but you're going to see when the kid starts showing the ignition and starts wanting to go to practice on his own and wants to start doing things on his own that they'll kind of lead the way in that way, in that regard, more though, more so than you'll have to say, oh, I need to, you know, find a full-time coach that does this, this, and this. The, the kid will lead the way if they're really into it. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm much more into uh, not early specialization, be it be a, a general, general first and in a broad sense of experience first got it so um so you spent four years at bethesda what was was congressional next or was there was there somewhere between? i think i mean the congressional was next and it was always my dream to be the teaching pro i mean you grow up here congressional is that's that's it right you grow up in this area congressional is congressional it's like the, the it's the spot you want to be and uh, I was very fortunate um, a student I, I I taught a couple students there that did well I won Joey Lane won the Eastern Amateur and um, he's a member at Congress he won the Eastern Am and he won the Virginia State Am all in the same year and uh, he's a member there and I taught I taught him since his freshman year at Virginia Tech him and his brother his brother plays at Maryland now and his moms have played in a couple of U.S. senior Ams so it's a great great family and great golfers and I was lucky enough to teach him and they had some success so um Joey's on the Corn Ferry Tour now, and um, 
I just, I, I don't know. People knew who I was because of probably because of Joey was winning some tournaments and um, Connor Tendall, another, he went to Wooten. Connor Tendall played at Maryland. He went to, to you know, Wooten High School. Uh, great golfer. And he was a member there. And again, like I, I was really lucky to teach some good players that were members there that, you know, like kind of word got out, I guess, and a, an opportunity came and I jumped at it. Sure. Um, there's a question for you that um, I'm sure a lot of folks don't, don't know. Um, when you're a teaching professional, especially at a place like um, Congressional, but, but even Bethesda, any, any kind of mm -hmm. uh, private club, are, the, the, are your students and the folks that you're teaching, what percentage of them, or, 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 are, they, or, or, or are they all members at that club? Um, usually the question, most clubs, like there's a deal between the teacher and the, the club. Right now I'm allowed to do 30% uh, of my lessons are non-members. So 70% are members, 30% are non-members. So, uh, yeah, so I say no way more often than I say yes. And most of the times I'm doing the, the non-members, it's uh, a, a, like when I was at Bethesda, it was a Connor Tindall or yeah. it was uh, someone who's showing that ignition that I know is going to put the work in, that I know who's going to, you know, hold up their end of the deal. I'm not just going to do that to anyone. Did that take some time to, to kind of build that up? I mean, obviously now you, you've put some guys uh, on some of the tours. You know, you, people have seen, um, you know, the results. Yeah, I, mean, of, of I, the I don't know. I think, I, again, I, I just was in the – I was just lucky. Like coaching golf in college, you're, al you're already recruiting these kids as a college coach. I, I already knew who most of the kids were in 2011, 12, and 13 because I recruited them at Virginia and at Maryland. Yeah. And then when I was at Virginia, Danny McCarthy was on the team. And I coached Denny for the year and a half, maybe after I left after I left Virginia. Oh, wow. So when I'm coaching Denny, and Denny comes to you know Bethesda, and people see that, oh, what, like I, that helps, and it helps when they play well. Yeah. And I care about. I think also I care about what I do, and I'm very passionate about it. And I'm, you know, like I, I'm, I, I do my best for each student, and do the best I can with them. I think that people see that, and yeah, like I just I just work hard at it. I don't know. I was lucky, and I work hard at it. So there's another, so, so Denny McCarthy, yeah, I mean, yeah, that's a great example for my next question. Uh, for folks that don't know, he, he's a local kid, uh, went to Georgetown Prep, UVA, now on the PGA Tour. Yeah, yeah. Um, see DMV Golf again. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I followed him around for a few holes at uh, the U.S. Open qualifying at Woodmont a couple of years back. Uh, yeah. One time I've really uh, seen his swing up close. Um, but someone like that, so, so you, you said you, you, he was on the team when you were at UVA, and then you, and then you yep. continued to coach him a little while after. I mean, yep. he's, a, he's a stud. I mean, obviously, even the, you know, the, the best golfers in the world, they still have their coaches, and, and they'll always have their coaches. Yeah. But someone like that, you know, obviously at that, at that time, was he already, when you were working with him, was, was he already on the tour? Did he make that leap? Of, no, like, so I worked with him. So his sophomore year was when I was at UVA, and then his junior year, he I was at Bethesda. So he would come up all through the okay. summer, and I would see him then. Uh, I mean, Denny's all like with a player like Denny is it, like I caddied for him when he won the Maryland State Open, and it's like it's it's helping him think through things and and bringing him his own best self out. I probably would say with with Denny's a great putter. He was way good before I ever met Denny. Um, I think there was things I tried to do with his swing that were injury preventative long-term seeing things like if the way he would move to try to keep him healthy it's hard to play the pga tour when you're not healthy and you can't you you know you're hurt but um i think you know denny was always going to be a good player he was always a good putter he just knew how to score i think the best thing denny knows how to do is he knows how to score and it's reflecting on the pga tour right now he's one of the best putters in the game he just knows how to get it done and uh, you know i don't know if you saw he got in the pga this week so be rooting for him he got in yeah. as an alternate yesterday so yeah 
Oh wow, no, I didn't see that. That's that's awesome. We'll, uh, yeah, certainly. Yeah, I mean, him. I mean, Denny's Denny was an amazing basketball player, right? Really good shooter. I heard the that. Kid just he just knows how to score. He just knows how to be an athlete. He just knows, like, he just knows sports and he just knows competition. Um, so it goes back to our other question on development. It's like he has a broad sense of what competition looks like. It, it's not. I he Denny did not stand on the range too long <laughs> you know looking like a robotic swing if, if if i had any regret in coaching him it would be i probably tried to get him to do that a little bit more than he needed to um my mindset as the teacher being like i don't want him to get hurt and then two it's like you know i want him to play better <laughs> so yeah. but it, you know denny was good way before he met me he'll be a great golfer for many years not many people from this area make the making the walker cup it's a pretty big deal <laughs> like yeah you know like they yeah, don't I, just hand that out and he did that and it's pretty cool yeah, I can't can't imagine there's too many folks from this area that, that, that have that on their resume. No, no. It's it's cool when you go to Argyle and you see the stuff's on display at Argyle. It's pretty cool. It's they've done a nice job with it. So you just touched on another thing, you know, trying to, you know, one of your objectives obviously working with these, especially the better players, is try to avoid yeah. injury avoid injury. Yeah. Um, one of the folks that you worked with that I was just uh, told actually right before we started talking uh, is a PJ player, Joseph Bramlett, um, yeah. who um, he lost what three, four years on tour due to a back. Four injury? years, yeah. Four years. Four years. Um, and you and yeah. you worked with him to help him get back on on tour. Is that right? Yeah. So I, um, Joe's got an amazing story. Again, Joe's Joseph played at Stanford. Um, my first time meeting Joseph, I was playing my first USAM at uh, Oakland Hills in 2002, and he was playing his first, and he was 14. <laughs> he was the youngest player ever to qualify with USAM back then. So um, I remember seeing him there because there was a big story. Um, but, yeah, Joseph's always been a really good player, second-team All-American at uh, Stanford, and he won a national championship there as a team his freshman year. He won the Northeast Am as, a, as an amateur. So Joseph was really good long before he knew me. Um, played the PGA Tour um, in 2012, I believe, and then the Corn Ferry Tour the next year. And then I think his back gave out at an event. It was just like he was on the range and gave out, and I think from there he – he tried to come back in another event, but I'm pretty sure it was four years, four and a half years before he, you know, was really going at it full time. That was, that got us to 2018. Yeah. So you were working with him before the injury as well? Uh, as I was working with him. No, no. I started with him and so his agent, um, Fred Freed, Fred um, is uh, an agent and member at Bethesda Country Club, again, being in the right place at the right time. So sure. Fred uh, was, is his agent and still is his agent. Fred's the man. He uh, runs a company called Team Services in in, uh, in the area, if you're interested in looking at it. Um, but Fred saw what I was doing with some of the juniors and some of the competitive kids that I was teaching, and they were getting better, and he saw I was passionate, and he, you know, brought Joseph down, I believe, in June or July of 2016. And, um, yeah, it was June of 2016 because I, I was looking at the videos the other day on my phone, and he came in for two days and we talked about, you know, what he was doing and why his back was hurting. And he had seen like maybe 15 or 20 different doctors and like he was in a tough spot and you could see he was just dying to get back out there. And, uh, you know, luckily we were able to do it. And he's, he's just an amazing, he's got an amazing story to be honest. Like that would be a great interview. He's an, he's got, it's a great story. I would imagine. Um, and you know, when, so when you start working with him, I mean, could, I mean, is he making full swings? Like, where do you, where do you even begin? With Man, like, the, had... like watching him swing now and watching him then, it's like uh, he, he was, he, he was a shell of himself there. He was hitting seven irons. He was, you could, you could tell by his gait the way he would walk. Like he was holding his back gingerly, and there were certain things like he, he couldn't really go at one. I think the first day I only ever saw him hit seven irons. I don't think I saw him hit a driver. Um, 
but he stayed two or three days and and then we did it he was from california and i'm living in 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 uh, dc so we did it remotely for a while for maybe two or three months and then i flew out there he had a little issue with he was doing an exercise in the gym and he had a little issue um early on but look like Joe did all the work. He did all the rehab on it. He did all the work on the swing. I remember being on FaceTimes on his swing multiple, multiple times a day or a week. And he would have to roll, he'd have to roll out his back or do certain stretches to, just to be able to swing and move that day. It's, what he did to get where he is, is it's incredible. And I think, uh, I think we, he had four starts on the way the medicals work. And if, if you're not familiar with how the PGA tour works or the corn Ferry works in terms of the starts and like, the status is it's a it's a whole nother conversation you could have a whole podcast just on that but he had seven on a full medical back then got seven and he over the course of four years he i think he used three and he was not able like he used two of them and didn't finish the tournament he used one and made the cut so he wasted three and so he had four events to make let's call it fifteen thousand dollars on the corn ferry that's pretty good you got to finish the top 15 probably and, uh, you know, our first event, like I, I went to Panama and caddy for him and he shot 73 the first round, which wasn't a very good first round. And I think he was like one over through 10 and it's set going to a second round. And um, he bogeyed the 10th hole. We airmailed the green with a pitching wedge on the 10th hole and uh, he left himself just dead. And we were, we were, look, we were on the outside looking in and something Joe is to this day is so amazing at. He can, he can make things happen. Not many people can do that. And, he went and made the turn. He made four birdies of his next six holes and shot 68, I believe, um, which could have been a 66 if, if, you know, like all golfers are like, well, we left one out there. And he made, he made one of the best eight-hole eight runs. Like he just forced himself, made himself, willed it to happen. And that was one of the coolest things I've, I've been around. And to see that was a huge, it was a huge learning experience for me. It gives me chills just thinking about it. But, yeah, so then he got through and made, finished, like, 23rd, made him a little bit of money. The next week he went to Mexico and finished fourth. Oh, and wow. he was a full member of the Corn Ferry Tour again, and that was 2018. And he just narrowly missed his card that year, and he and he, uh, he got it last year. Yeah, I'm a, I mean, being, I, I can't imagine being – you know, I've got, I've got folks that I'm fans of on, on tours and, and folks I follow, but, you know, being so, so involved and so close and being their teacher, I mean, just watching yeah. them, even if it's on TV, must be – you know, you're living and dying with him out there. Yeah, you know, like I caddied for him in Panama and I caddied for him at the U.S. Open last year. The U.S. Open was hard. Like, I didn't think I was – like, I've caddied in, in gosh, USA. I've caddied in tons of tour. I've caddied in the Kemper Open. I caddied for that three times. I caddied for Curtis Strange in the Kemper Open. Like, so oh, wow. it's like I, I've caddied in big events before. The U.S. Open for me was another level. And uh, I didn't think I was up for it because Pebbles, uh, you know, it's a tricky golf course. I, I, I was a little intimidated by it, but um, – I'll never forget, he hit on 18 at Pebble, he hit a hybrid, this is how good he hits it, or how far he hits it. 18, he hit hybrid off the tee, hybrid onto the green. He had, he had this 250 shot, which is a little in between clubs for him, but he hit this high cut hybrid to like 15 or 20 feet. And he's from California, he's from San Jose, so it's kind of like a hometown event. We had a bunch of people watching us. Um, almost like the final group on the, the first round, and he makes this 30-footer for Eagle. And that place, I was screaming, I was yelling, it was, one of the coolest things it was just Thursday. It was just Thursday of the U.S. Open. It wasn't even Sunday. Yeah. You know, to shoot, he made eagle to shoot seventy-three, and I'm like, I'm acting like he won. And it was such a cool experience for him to have me do that. Like, I'm grateful for, to be able to do that. Oh, that's awesome. But yeah, it's hard. It's hard. Like watching him yesterday. You know, he played. He played in Barracuda. He was in fifth place going to the final round. He ended up finishing twelfth, eleventh, or twelfth. And 
you know, it's it's hard to watch. It's hard to follow that app online. That's not. A, it's terrible to watch. I, I bet. So, so as as a little segue there. So, speaking of apps and online, and you touched on a, le- a lot of your coaching with him was, was virtual, since you guys are on yeah. opposite sides of the country. Um, yeah. I, I'm just curious what your thoughts are with, um, you know, teaching, especially during the last several months of of the coronavirus and everyone, so many folks having to be indoors. That on online and virtual coaching seems to have exploded yeah do you yeah, do much, much of that others. aside from him do you do much of that um i don't i don't try to start out the relationship that way it's a hard it's a hard way to do it um uh you know i don't i, I try to my i look at the mindset of of teaching as a transformational relationship not a transactional one and i try to take that into heart in everything that i'm doing in terms of just online lessons i don't know if i'm get, getting the best out of students getting the best of me because it takes time to, to build certain things and you're not seeing everything online. Is it a good thing to do if, if you have some rapport with a coach? Absolutely. Like there's guys that crush it, that do amazing jobs online. That's just not my forte. I would say I'm good at it when I have a relationship and you have communication and you're able to see him play. And, but there's some guys that are way better at it than I am. But I, I, I think it's a necessary evil for golf instructors at this point. I think, you know, the, the one piece of equipment that everyone has, that's probably the best piece of best training aid that everyone has is their phone. The video quality is so good. You can just set it up right on your bag and you can send it to anyone. And there's, there's all sorts of apps and, you know, Skillist or coach now, or there's so many uh, swing AI. There's so many things people, people can go to, but my advice would be to get to a coach that you can have some communication with. You have a follow-up, he creates a plan. That's what we did so well with Joseph is like, we created a plan. We created this, um, system in which to work from and he was successful with it I think online coaching can go both ways with it so so you're you're a congressional now we touched on that congressional yep. is um you know it's been on, under renovation for how long now for at least gosh at least God, I would say eight to ten months now probably almost a year months. do they have yep. a um, very exciting what do they have a timeline on I mean, obviously they're, they're renovating this they get awarded two huge events PGA Championship yep. and the Ryder Cup, a little way, a little ways yep. in the future, but oh, yeah. it's coming. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. What, what do you know? What their timeline is for reopening? I believe it. I believe we're thinking June of twenty-one, June, July of twenty-one. Hopefully, we have a good growing season, not a crazy winter. But yeah, I mean, there's tons of the back nines. Almost, you know, like all the holes are taking shape. Um, it's pretty crazy to see a golf course come together like that. It's really interesting to see how that comes together. We, we touched on it just for a minute before we started recording. Uh, Andrew Green posted a picture on Twitter yeah. a few weeks back of 15, 15 Green looking back at the clubhouse yep. that look, it, it looked like it was a different golf course. It looked like it was, it, it, was, it was one of these pictures that people started arguing about online about what hole it was. It just almost looked fake. It looked so incredible. Yeah, it's, it was a great picture. It was 15. There's, um, it used to be really elevated relative to where you were hitting from the bottom, but it's going to be a little lower. Um, the backdrops, beautiful clubhouse, uh, congressional. Um, you can see there's a run-up area on the left, and I think you're going to see that a lot in the design. of. There's going to have a lot of ways, to, different ways to play. It's not just you have to carry a bunker and land on the green, carry a bunker and land on the green. Yeah. Um, so you're going to be able to hit a lot of, a lot of different shots from it, and it's going to have a lot of different contours. Uh, to it a lot of different options you can do as the player especially on 15. So have you were you there since their uh, I'm trying to remember what their last PGA tournament hosted there. Um, the Quicken Loans I was Quicken not Lo- there during a no okay. I was not there during Quicken Loans. Because that, that same green was it was where uh, Billy Hurley famously chipped in 
Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, to, to, to go up on, uh, I guess, I, th I think just give, give himself a couple stroke lead over Ernie Ellis. Yeah, the I remember. So my history with Congressional is D. Like, I was a uh, standard bearer in the U.S. Senior Open there in 1995. Oh. I got my community service hours at Watkins Mill through that. And then I was a uh, standard bearer there in 1997 for the U.S. Open. Um, I, I believe I caddied there several times during high school. Um, I played the Maryland State Amateur there. Now I work there, so it's a cool place to 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 call home. Uh, pretty good team there. Yeah, a great a great team. Mike Dixon, another uh, Mid Atlantic Teacher of the Year, was there. Stacy Miller's, you know, LPGA National Teacher of the Year in terms of junior golf. Uh, Jason Epstein's, you know, he's an awesome uh, director of athletics. Jason Mills, uh, our head golf professional from the, the Country Club up in Boston. So we're we're surrounded by people that um, you know are they're very very motivated people. People that really care about the game, really care about the members. Um, we're, uh, we're all very lucky to be surrounded by such a place like, and even through COVID, like the members' support to their staff there is like, it's unbelievable. And our, our CEO, Jeff, Jeffrey Creeple, is the, the general manager. Like the, the support you see from the members to the staff is just like, I don't, I don't know a club that does it better. So you just touched on uh, mentioning Mike Dixon, but that, but that he was another yep. Mid-Atlantic uh, PGA yeah. Teacher of the Year. And, and the reason he's another yeah. is because you, you're currently, you, you were awarded the yeah. Mid-Atlantic PGA Teacher of the Year. What, uh, yeah. what, 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 what is the, explain what, does anything come with that? Like why, what, what's, no. what's, what's that, what's that <laughs> Nothing about? comes with that. I mean, look, I think, you know, the way you get it is like, I, I'm more honored that a, like a peer has to nominate you. And so some of my peers in the area nominated me. And that's more of what's special about that to me. Like, I would, I didn't hit a shot for one of my players. I, I never hit one shot for any of them. My students had a really good years the last couple of years on, on the course. And I'm very lucky to be involved with, with them, whether they're, you know, whether it's Lee Detmer being a all American at Wake Forest or Davis Lamb winning the Maryland state open or Joseph Bramlett or, you know, Joey Lane winning in China, or, you know, it's someone winning their club championship or it's, it's some Sophie Simon getting a scholarship to get, like, I'm just really lucky to be involved with, so many people that want to get good at the game that trust me with their process to it like that award it speaks more about students than it does about me I just I'm lucky enough to be on their journey that's awesome I'm sure it's quite an honor there, you, you've, you've said a lot of your folks that you've taught over the years and currently I gotta I, I, after this after I listen to like, the recording I gotta write some of these I, I gotta I'm trying to throw like, like DMV golf <laughs> I, like we have some we have some studs that play golf in in this area and you know, I think uh, it's undervalued in terms of in, in terms of the people that come come out of here, and uh, you know, I, I want to change that. I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. I mean, the, the reality is one one of the reasons I kind of started this podcast was um, I agree that the, the D.C. area and the D.M.V. is undervalued uh, as far as kind of a you know a golf area, um, but but not only as you're really touching on and, and, and highlighting that there's some really good players around here. I also, my reason for the podcast is there's also just, there's really good players, but also just so many interesting people connected to the game and oh, that are just super into the game in this area. I totally would agree. I mean, there's, you, I would totally agree with that. And uh, the more people that know that, the better. And, and and I'm happy you're doing the podcast. When I found out about it, I thought it was awesome. And I think the DMV needs some of that. I think, uh, I think it's awesome what the trust is doing for, you know, those courses in DC. I think that could just be so good for the game in this area. So, yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm trying to give, them, give my students some love because that, that award, especially going back to that award, it's much more about them than it's me. I'm, I'm just lucky yeah. on that end. So be, before I let you go, I heard um, you, you did another podcast a few years back that I listened to a couple of days ago. Yep. You mentioned that you, you grew up on Montgomery Country Club up in Gaithersburg. 
Yeah, yeah. I see. Yeah. So I grew up. The, the house my parents still live in is on Montgomery Village Golf Club, which is, it doesn't exist anymore. Gone. Yeah. I don't know if you ever you ever played yeah. that, but it's gonna be townhomes. But the the course my dad was a member at was uh, Montgomery Country Club, so that's up in Lanesville. So he still plays there. Yeah. Made his sixth hole in one yesterday. Didn't even know it went in. Yesterday. How about that? Yeah. Number six. Yeah. Oh man, I'm still no, waiting on number one. Yeah, he went up to the green. He actually listened to this story. He uh, he he hits the shot. And he's in like a B team match. He hits the shot and he goes up to the green, and he can't find his ball. Right, he can't find it. So he goes to the right of the green and he chips another ball into the green. He actually hits it and he gets up to mark it and he's like, "This is not my ball." So he goes around and they spend like three minutes looking for the ball and he's like, "What do you mean? I thought I hit a good shot." It was in yeah. the hole. Unbelievable. Like he he hits a good <laughs> shot of the pin and he's looking at. It and I'm like, Dad, what are you doing, man? Yeah, he made a made a whole one. Oh, you were you were playing with him? Oh, I didn't. I wasn't. I, oh, okay. I you know I probably haven't played golf in two years, so I was. That was, that's that was going to be my next question. On that same podcast, you said that, um, and this was recorded three or four years ago. Yeah. That yeah. that you were only playing, you know, if you're lucky, eight to ten times a year, and that and has it really gotten down that low where you you have? Yeah, I mean, I don't. I hardly play. I can't tell you the honest. Someone asked me that the last time I played to keep a score like a real, you signed the score like it was actually rules of golf score. Gosh, had it couldn't have been sooner than 2014. Is there any, is there any concern? You know, obviously you've got all the credentials in the world, and, and it's not something to be concerned about. But if you it, that your swing, you know, you get a little rust on your swing. That, no, you know, like this, I mean, I, I'm not going to say I don't hit balls. Like I hit right. balls every, <laughs> okay. every once in a while. Like the swing, like that's something I did really well when I played was the swing. I'm that's I'm passionate about. Like I, I experiment with it. I try different like ideas out to be able to relate it to a student or. Like I can still swing and do that. That's fine. It just doesn't go very far. I think the game is, is in a such different place than when I grew up. I don't, I don't think I ever had a lesson growing up that said, you need to hit the ball. Far. Like we need to work on your distance. We need to hit the ball far. Like I never occurred to, to, to me. Yeah. And I would say everyone I'm teaching now, if you're, if you have aspirations to play like professional golf, by the time you're there, you, if your ball speed's not 170, like you're going to be hitting it short. And 170 is moving. Right. Yeah. No so if you have a if you're in tenth grade or ninth or tenth grade right now and you want to play pro golf, you get the one seventy is your that's the baseline. Because of that, is that something when you get one of these, especially younger players coming in and starting to work with you, is that something that you immediately start to work on? Yeah, I mean, well, you're definitely keeping an eye on it. Like to play at that level, you need you need you need a, a little bit of a gear for every. You, you know, if you're just watching the golf on TV yesterday, like you got. Justin Thomas is moving it at 178 ball speed. Brooks Kepka 178 ball speed, and they couldn't look more different. Yeah. You know, they couldn't move their bodies more differently. And you're definitely trying to to gauge some of that uh, w with a younger player. Um, it's only like I would say Maya Schechter, right? She's the the LPGA Tour player from around here. She's fourth on the LPGA in driving distance, and it's around 290 right now. Like that's wow. that's getting it. So distance is it's it's. I don't like. I don't know if anyone needs to be Bryson DeChambeau. I think what he's doing is a little, uh, yeah. you know, like I don't know if that's long-term healthy for him. But you know, if you got to hit it, you got to be able to move. Are there any um, are any swings on tour that that you know when you're working with one of your students, you say, you know, here here if you're looking for something to emulate, here's a couple of guys that you should really take a look at. It all depends. That's a really good question. It all depends on the uh, the player. I think. The way people move and what they're trying to do, it all there's someone for for almost every player you can teach. But there isn't one one model that fits fits anyone. I think one of my mentors in teaching, probably the person who's had the one of the biggest influence on me is Cameron McCormick. And, and Cameron, uh, Jordan Spieth's coach, runs Altus Performance, great 
follow on Instagram if you're not following him, but he's Cameron's amazing. If, uh, if I'm ever half the teacher Cameron is, you know, I know I've, that's, it would be amazing, but, um, Cameron's whole like philosophy. I've heard it say it so many times would be skills trump style. You're always training the skill, um, rather than what the actual thing looks like. And, you know, I think it's easy golf instruction. That's where you, you go back to the question of online coaching versus virtual coaching versus like an in-person coaching, like online coaching is very aesthetic unless you really know the player, unless you have a lot of self-awareness of the player saying, okay, under pressure, I hit the ball left. I need to be able to get that better. Like not many people know that there's a lot of like layers to get there as the teacher. Um, but like, you're, you're always going at it from a skill is, is what skill am I trying to improve today? And at what cost um, is it injury prevention? Is it uh, you know, like, is it going to be too hard to do or can the player physically move that way? Or um, so in terms of a certain swing, no, like, like for people who, want to use the ground very well. Rory, the way he uses his lower body is just outstanding. I would say it's more an aberration than a norm though, because so much of his acceleration comes late in the swing. Yeah. Um, he's a really good drawer of the ball. If someone comes to me and they want to fade it, I'm probably not going to show him Rory. I'm going to show him, you know, Colin Murakawa or, uh, you know, Dustin Johnson. Uh, I'm not going to show him that one. So it all depends on kind of how the players move and, and what they're trying to do. Got it. Um, Listen, this is this has been terrific. I really appreciate you spending all this time of course, with me I and, hope, and coming on. I hope I was all right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this has been great. Um, so, and and you got you get you get your website. I, I was taking a look at the other day. What, what's the what's the URL? JSRGolf.com. It's it's more of an informational website. If you want to contact me, it's on there. Instagram is JohnScott.Rattan. Um, I'm more of a user than a taker on Twitter. I, I I use it for some Tennessee Volunteers news. I usually don't do too much on Twitter, but Instagram. Or yeah. uh, emails where to find me. Yeah, I saw you're you're a good follow on Instagram. It sounds like if, if folks, uh, you know, you, you maybe there's a there's a waiting list for, or or yeah. uh, for folks that uh, you know are, are looking for some coaching. But maybe if you know if you're booked up, you can point them in the right direction. Uh, yeah, of but, course. I mean, there's tons of good teachers in this area, so of course. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, um, thanks well, for listen, having me, John Scott. This was great. I'll let you go. I appreciate it very much. Best of luck to you. And uh, you got we'll it. Thanks so much, man. Keep it up. Thanks for uh, doing all all the work for the DMV golf. All right. Thank thanks, you. Buddy. I got ideas. Um, ideas. I don't have a good golf game, but I don't really care. I'm a I'm a regular dude living in DC, and I want to know about DC centric golf stuff. If you can tell me something that I don't already know, then that is great for me. I don't want the regular stuff. I want exciting stuff. I want different stuff. I don't want stuff I can't hear elsewhere but I want it to be about DC golf. 